You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday the 21st of June, glorious morning here in TW11 and trying to get you the news bright and early today. And I'm indebted to the Suns Racing Desk, particularly Callum Jameson, for breaking the story late last night uh, that it was likely that Rob Hornby, the man who rode Irish Derby favourite Westover to a luckless third place in the Derby, would be replaced at the weekend by Colin Keane, who's already tasted classic success for owners Judmont Farms, courtesy of Siskin in the Irish Guineas a couple of years ago. So first things first, before we speak to Jane Mangan, RTE and Racing TV broadcaster, let's bring in Barry Mann, the Judmont's racing manager and European general manager, uh, who's based in Ireland and, and joins me now. Uh, Barry, what's the story here? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Prince Khaled's family gave us the go-ahead to run him in the Irish Derby, which we were delighted you know, to, with the chance to bring him to Ireland for the Derby. And... Uh, we all sat down and, and just felt that you know the, the Curra is a unique track and it can the Derby can be quite tactical. So you know we decided that you know experience on the track was going to be important. So uh, we've taken the decision to book Colin Keane, his three-time Irish champion jockey, um, to ride him on Saturday. Um, and there's no arrangement in place. You know it's it's. At the minute, it's for Saturday, and you know we'll review it after that with Prince Khaled's family. But uh, you know, you, you don't get much more experienced around the Curragh than Colin Keane at the minute. I mean, I know there's no formal arrangement, but is it one of those things where if Colin Keane's available, you will sort of edge towards him because of your own history with him, and, and obviously he rode uh, Siskin for you in in, in in Irish Classic success. Ah, look, we we you know we're we're using the best available, and you've seen last week, you know, Frankie and Ryan Moore rode for us, uh, and Colin rode for us. So you know, it is a case of using the best available, and as we've seen, a lot of a lot of the top jockeys have retainers, and they're hard to get uh, get their services a lot of the time. So it's it's good to have Colin there uh, to stand in for us when we need him. Um, and look, Rob, uh, you know, Rob Dunner has has rode, has rode the horse beautifully. I thought he gave him a beautiful ride in Epsom. He was very, very unlucky, and I think that's exactly what it was, was unlucky that Stahl too, you know, has has the hoodoo of never producing a derby winner. And the reason why it's never produced a derby winner is, you know, what happened to Westover in Epsom is what happens. You know, you're on the fence, and horses come down on top of you, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but I thought he gave him a beautiful ride, and... In fairness to Rob, he's rode him all his work and he, he rode him again uh, yesterday morning in his last bit of work and he's been a brilliant team player. Uh, and um, uh, he's obviously going to be be very disappointed. Have you have you made it clear to him that, that he may well get back on the horse again? Yeah, yeah. No, Rafe has sat down and he's had a good talk with him and look, you know, he, he he's disappointed. Of course he's disappointed, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, we're definitely not saying he, he won't be getting back on the horse again. As I say, this is a a one-time thing for the Curra at the minute and we'll see how Saturday goes and you know we, the family will review it then after the weekend and see what they want to do going forward. 
And looking at the, the likely opponents, it seems as though Aidan O'Brien is going to supplement the Oaks winner Tuesday for the race. What what was your reaction when you heard that? Yeah, sure. Look, I was, I, I, I was. You can be honest, Barry. It's fine. My 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 heart my heart skipped a beat if I'm honest. But anyway, look, it's a derby. It's phenomenal prize money. You know, it's a Group One classic. You want the best turning up. And and there's no better than than Tuesday, you know. She's she's twice. She's a classic winner, a classic placed. Uh, she looks a very talented filly. She's going to get three pound uh, allowance, which is going to make it tough. And I think it's going to set it up to be a very very strong race. And what's the what's the weather like in Ireland this week? Are you expecting it to be a, a fairly a, a decent decent ground Irish Derby? Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, they're they're giving a little bit of rain later in the week, but it looks like it's going to be good good firm ground you know I don't think there's there's no chance at the minute from what we're seeing there's no chance of being soft so I think the ground is set fair to be fair for everyone and it'll be nice somewhere ground and just a, a very quick word on your um, winner from Royal Ascot Thesis uh, who, who looks quite an exciting colt what might be the plan for him? Yeah, look, he's a very, very, very nice horse. You know, he's a horse at the start of the year. We probably didn't think we'd be going to Royal Ascot for a, for a handicap. We thought we'd have been going for one of the group races. Um, but it just the penny hadn't dropped in time to get in, to get into the into the, the higher echelon. So uh, we'll 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 sit down with the family in a week's time and decide whether he goes to Goodwood for a, for a handicap or for one of the group races. Um, and we'll make a plan and see see what they want to do. Okay, that was Barry Munn from Judmont explaining the decision to replace Rob Hornby on the Derby third Westover. Now the, well, perhaps for the moment anyway, the favourite for the Irish Derby. Uh, we'll come to Tuesday in a moment. Uh, Jane, what do you make of, uh, of what Barry had to say there? It's an understandable call. Obviously, for Rob Hornby, he'll be disgusted. He will not only want to keep the ride, but he will want to have, will want to have had an opportunity to get redemption um, for Epsom. but. Colin Keane is one of the best in the world. I was kind of gutted for him in the Queen's Bays on Zachariah that he didn't get that uh, all-important Royal Ascot win last week, but he could get his very first um, Irish Derby this weekend. He's Look, everybody knows Colin Keane, and if you don't, you need to sit up and pay attention. One of the best riders in the world and riding around the career regularly. So I can understand the decision. Um, Rafe Beckett is you know, loyal to his rider, but... You know, the owner's boss at the end of the day. And you mentioned the relationship with, with Siskin. But, you know, Colin has been deployed for Judmont on a number of occasions. And uh, this would be the biggest call-up to date. Yeah, and quite often in an Irish classic. And it's not quite happened as it normally does this season. Because Aidan maybe hasn't had quite quite the depth in the in the mile races. But often in an Irish classic, particularly in the Irish derby, it's if you're the fancied one, it's you against 52 Aidens. And, you know, tactically you're on the back foot from the get-go, aren't you? So... You need someone who, as Colin Keane did, has managed to escape from a pretty treacherous position on on Siskin in a in an Irish Guineas against a whole bunch of Ali Doyles who were trying to get him beaten. It'll it'll be it'll be fascinating. The draw is all important, and everybody I remember for that Guineas was speculating because Siskin was drawn close to the rail. How would he get out? And he ended up having to just burst his way out. What we call engineering his own gaps, but. You know, Colin has actually been riding a little bit for Ballydoyle in, in the last couple of seasons, so he'll have uh, that benefit of insight into to the Ballydoyle team as well. So, look, all in all, it's a huge ride to get. He's justifiably top of the market, but Aidan adding the filly into the race just makes it so much better. All right, so let's talk about this Tuesday on Tuesday. Um, is there just a, a general feeling that 
Oaks is better than Derby after the victory of Nashua at the weekend. Uh, and that to Tuesday and the luckless Emily up, John, will be more than a match for any mile and a half Colts that are, that are knocking around. There, you may well say that there's no desert crown in here, so you may well think that Tuesday is right up to beating uh, the best of the rest. We we will hopefully see a clash of them later in the year. But if you took Tuesday out of this race and you just said it was Westover versus Pisbadil and Lionel and whatever Aiden uh, decided to line up, it would look a little bit of a no contest, barring Westover underperformed uh, and barring Pisbadil, you know, put his best foot forward and Lionel step forward from Goodwood, but you would be talking about a very short price favourite. Um, but the filly, you know, getting the three pounds, she doesn't even need that allowance to be very, very interesting here. It was her third birthday when she won the Oaks. How coincidental was that? So you've every right to think that she's going to step forward from that. But she's already taken in both guineas, placed in Newmarket and the Curra before Epsom. She's had a busy schedule, but obviously she's coming out of very well. The fact that they're going to supplement her for a fee of 75,000 euro um, it just, you know, it's 25 years on since Balanchine in 1994. It's an ambitious plan, but they want to win. Aidan O'Brien wants to win his 15th Irish Derby. What a record that is already. So it's uh, a fascinating addition, and I think it's one that the race needed, if I'm honest. It's interesting to me that more fillies haven't tried in the interim. Not only do you have to go all the way back to 1994 to find Balanchine the last female winner of the race but so few have even even bothered to have a go and there hasn't been a, a filly unless you're going to correct me I can't find a filly that's been placed in the race since um yet cue plenty of people uh, writing in yeah. otherwise but I can't find one uh, it's it's a timing thing as much as anything else Jane because if if the Prida Diana is a little close and you're coming back in trip after Epsom anyway and I, I know Nashua's just done it but um if it's generally a little close and you're a genuine mile and a half, the Irish Oaks is quite a long way off. You're having to push right into end of July, kind of King George time. So you're left kicking your heels for seven or eight weeks between Epsom and the Irish Oaks. This, the, the timing of this is actually an awful lot better. If you think, you know, you can take advantage, if you don't think there's a huge difference between the Phillies and the Colts, you're getting a massive weight advantage. Yes, but you probably have to ask the question, where do the best fillies lie? And if they lie in yards where those particular yards or those ownerships have colts that would be competitive in the derby, then they mightn't run. Um, case in point, being Ballydoyle, if they think they have a colt that'll win the derby, they're not going to put the fillies in there. Um, and, and, you know, more often than not, they have a, a filly perfectly capable of winning the race. So that's one way to look at it. I do remember a couple of years ago fancying New York Girl for the race. Um, when she actually never landed a blow behind Santiago. So sometimes we can get carried away. But this time, I think the race, you look, she's the Oaks winner. She's the filly that's, you know, setting the bar. We've already seen the Oaks form tested. We've seen the Derby form tested as well with changing the guard, winning the Queen Edward, or the King Edward even uh, last week. But if, uh, if there is to be a real threat to Westover, it looks like it's going to be the filly. But hopefully there'll be a couple of more Horses confirmed before the weekend. There's a little bit of rain here at the moment. Uh, I'm up in Meath, ready to go to the Derby sale, which starts tomorrow. Um, but they have put on a little bit of water. It's currently good to firm and hopefully it doesn't uh, get a deluge of rain to scupper that. Because I think that you mentioned it on the pod yesterday. The ground at Ascot was just so fair 
all the way across the track, no bias, and we want that at the Curra, and we want a fair race, and let's see, do the girls come out on top? Quite possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. If we have Derby runner-up against Oaks, Oaks winner, it'll be a, a terrific race, and I'm sure Aidan will set it up to be a, a thorough test. Well, Jane, mentioning Lionel there, Lionel's the horse that won the uh, cocked hat stakes at Goodwood, which uh, used to be the predominant and you know could maybe have persuaded connections to have a crack at, at Epsom, but they always had other things in their mind, and trainer David Menuisier is with me now. David, are you going to go to the Curra on Saturday? Yes, the, that's the plan. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. That, that's excellent news. Just tell me a little about how the horse has done since, since Goodwood. But he's done great. I mean... Um... I'm glad we we managed to to run and win at Goodwood, so we could uh, we could give him a, a mini break, you know, before preparing the Irish Derby. And uh, the horse has absolutely thrived, you know, since Goodwood. He's put some weight on, some um, some strength on. So uh, yeah, I genuinely couldn't be more pleased with him. He went for a race course gallop last week at Kempton and uh, and worked beautifully. So, yeah, we, we couldn't be more pleased at this stage. What do you want to see uh, in terms of how many runners there are in the race, who turns up and what the weather's going to do? I don't really mind, to be honest, you know. Um, in terms of weather, I'd like, I'd like a bit of rain. I'd like the ground to be, to be, to be perfect, to be good, if possible, you know. Um, I, I don't think the very quick ground will be or would be a problem for him on a big galloping track. But he's still a bit green and tender, and, and I do believe that... Um, that uh, good, good, genuine good ground or good to soft ground is more preferable for that sort of, of big horses uh, because, um, uh, you know, everything doesn't happen as quick as it does on good to firm ground, basically. Hmm. What, what, what sort of a workhorse is he? Can you tell he is of Group 1 ability when he, when he works at home? No, no, he just does what we ask him to do and, and uh, he's the same in the afternoon. I mean, look, he's, he's, it's very early days for him. Um, the, the talent is there. Whether he's a group one horse as we speak, uh, I don't know. It will be for him to, to, to prove himself. I think he will be one down the line. Um, he has the potential. He just, um, he's still learning. You know, he learns all the time. So he's not a he's not an extravagant horse, but um, we know he's got stamina. He's got a, he's got a bit of speed as well. So he's a very exciting horse. But whether he's more of a horse for the future than than now, I don't know. Um, that's that's a good question. But um, yeah, I think um, I think he. Well, I would be surprised if he was disgracing himself uh, this weekend. Let's put it this way. All things being equal. And will uh, Jamie Spencer ride him? Yes, yes. That's good. the plan. Good. So so he's in, in the Irish Derby. You were very quiet. I didn't see you at all at at, at, at Ascot. No, I didn't go. I didn't go. Uh, if uh, Yeah, I think the ground was basically too quick for any of the horses I could have had uh, penciled in. So, 
yeah, and and yeah, I enjoy watching on TV more than being there. If I want to be honest, if I don't have a runner, I find it frustrating to go racing with no runners. <laughs> so I'd rather stay at home. Yeah, I completely understand that. Now you you had to take Sir Bob Parker out of the Derby with a with a small injury. What's the what's the news on him? Yeah, no, look, uh, he had a little chip in his hindsight lock, so so we've taken it out. So he's currently uh, doing his rehab, and uh, we'll give him we'll give him bags of time to to recover. So I'm not sure when when he will be back into action. If it's not at the end of the year here, um, I kind of the I kind of have the idea of maybe taking him to Dubai. Uh, his form is rock solid, you know. The, the the form of his French race is rock solid. I think he's definitely a top-notch horse. So I don't want to bring him back too soon. Uh, so yeah, D- Dubai could be an option. And obviously, if he, if he could come back sooner, um, I don't think he'll go on very soft ground. You see, so that's why. If I put the pressure on him to to do the autumn, I might end up with nothing. You know, so so we'll see. Um, I, I don't think he will be able to resume exercise until at least mid-August. So it would be a bit challenging to have him back for for the good races in in, in October. That's David Menuisier there, who will run Lionel hopefully in the in the Irish Derby this weekend. Jane Mangan is still with me. Jane, I wanted to have a little uh, word with you about Royal Ascot because we didn't get to speak during uh, Ascot itself. And, and something's come back to haunt me about a conversation you and I had about state of rest. Yes, I mentioned after the Tadstall's Gold Cup that Alan Kerr put in a massive performance to beat Lord North and High Definition and Ireland's highest rated horse, State of Rest, to which you replied. To which I replied, how does it make you feel that State of Rest is the highest rated horse in Ireland? And I did admit it was a, a little bit of a... Not a deflating statement, but it wasn't one of my strongest. But the Prince of Wales proved different. And for Shane Cross and everybody involved, but I was particularly pleased on the winner's podium to see Catherine Cashman flanked by Joseph O'Brien and his family, T.O. King and all the China Horse Club people. But Catherine Cashman of Ratbury, she's been the matriarch of that stud farm, that powerhouse down in the south of Ireland for so long. What a shrewd purchase by Newgate and Rathbury State of Rest. Now, a European Group 1 winner, but not only a European Group 1 winner, one of the biggest races at Royal Ascot. What a performance. All right, genuinely, for, I mean, we devoted an entire podcast last week about how good the ride was. Um, did it make you think any differently about the horse himself? Did you revise your opinion about him as an athlete, a racehorse, a true class act after Ascot? Not really. I know he, he likes real quick ground and perhaps on occasion he hasn't got that desired effect. But in France, he had to be brave. In, in, in Australia, he had to be really tough. And that's what he was. He was just very genuine and he fought off all, uh, all comers at Ascot. I, I always thought he was a good horse, but I think he just took himself to a new level last week. And uh, yeah, you mentioned Shane Cross and obviously 10 years on from Joseph O'Brien winning it. On So You Think, he's watching it from the ground. So there was many layers to that story that was poignant. But for the horse himself, he's proved himself to be a real genuine champion. It struck me that the stayers in the race gave the fastest horse the the uncontested lead. 
And what it made me think about him that I perhaps considered, hadn't considered before is just how quick a horse he, he is. He was able to settle doing, you know, very pedestrian fractions early, but then really smartly quicken up late. And to my mind, Jane, if you got a really, really strongly run Group 1 European mile race that didn't have Baid in it, he, he, would be, he wouldn't be too far away. No, um, it's, yeah, he's never looked slow. He didn't look slow on the Cox plate. Um, he, yeah, I, I don't have a, like, Baybridge came to him, looked like he might go past, and he pulled out more. But I think the jockey also kept a bit more up his sleeve. So, okay, overall, it was a heavyweight performance. That's what that race should be. We kind of cited before the race that numerically the race was uh, a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more horses in it. But those that were in it, uh, were highly regarded and this guy was let go off at something like five to one so in a week where we saw the best you know one of the best horses in the world probably definitely the best miler in the world by Eid. we saw the best sprinter in nature strip we saw some of the best two-year-olds throw down their gauntlet but i think state of rest held his own and uh, i know i met the Cantlin family in the the pre-parade ring before the race and what a star he's been for everybody involved he's taken them all around the world all right. What about the two-year-olds? Which was your which was your best two-year-old performance of the week? I was I was particularly impressed by Dramatized. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about Love Reigns pre-race in the Queen Mary, but Dramatized for Carol Burke. She's emerged with the highest time form rating of any two-year-old in Europe. Uh, time form given her hundred and twelve p, um, and she was just awesome. You know, owned and bred by Steve Park, and well done to him and Joe Foley and. You know, I was impressed with Meditate as well, also in the in the Albany. Um, which yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Dramatize do something like the Primordi, take on the boys and see if she is uh, really that good because she did look like that last week. And Carol Burke is no uh, stranger to the Primordi having won it with, unfortunately, back in 2017. But she's the one that stood out for me. Huge field, but set herself apart. Okay, so it's Tuesday. We go around the bloodstock world with our very good friends at Weatherby's. And today I'm delighted to make just our, our second visit to Argentina and to, to check in with Ezequiel Valle, who's the director at Aras Firmamento, who are the multiple champion breeder in Argentina who've stood any number of horses that will probably be, if not household names, at least familiar names to, to many of, of you. Uh, you're about 400k south of Buenos Aires, Ezekiel, not far from the coast. I've had a chance to look at your your video that you've just released. It looks absolutely stunning. Just just give me a, a flavour of what it's like to, to be around the horses on this farm. Hi, Nick. It's a huge pleasure for me to be here talking to you. Well, as you say, Arafirmament is located uh, 400 kilometers to the south of Buenos Aires. The owner, Mr. Bago, started the farm 45 years ago with my father, who is the main vet and the general manager. And they started with a three maiden mares, and now we have a 240 high-quality mares, so we, we improve a lot in the last years. And I know that, that thoroughbred racing and breeding is is huge in terms of numbers in, in Argentina. It's one of the most populous horse countries anywhere in the world. What what makes your land so good for raising horses? Well, you know, Nick, I think that we have a, a lot of advantage here in South America. Mainly the, the quality of the land, as you said, is is one of the most important thing. The All the weather, the, the environment... Uh, I don't know how to explain in 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 some words, but 
there are many many things that are that help us us to to produce very very good horses and also the the quality of the professionals that we have here in, in south america they are very good maybe we don't have the quality of the the genetic you know the the broodmares or the stallions that you have in europe or, or in america but for sure the quality here of the land is is great but you're always thinking about new ways of bringing blood into into Argentina and to try to develop your own your own breeding industry. What do you find is is really working, or what do you find has worked best over the years? Well, in South America, we have a lot of experience with the European bloodlines, but in the last years, we we have bought many many mares in in America and we shuttle a lot of stallions from America. For example, in our cases, uh, we, we, we used to buy mares in, in Kingland every year, trying to improve our broodmare band. Uh, and also it's funny because sometimes we, we go to Kingland and we finally, we, we buy European pedigrees because they are cheaper there than in, in Europe. And also, most of the stallions that are coming here are from, from America nowadays. But we used to shuttle, I don't know, Master Craftman. Uh, we used to have uh, some stallions from France like Polyglot or Numerous as well. So we tried to, to find a balance to mix bloodlines from Europe and America too. And if you were to try to describe me the type of horse you're trying to breed, what is the what is the ideal argentinian bred thoroughbred racehorse what are you trying to breed him or her to win well right now we we try to produce tough horses with with a lot of uh half horses with with bone big horses and we have more races right now on dirt than turf so that's the reason why now we are looking for more mares or stallions from america than europe there are 7,000 foals born annually in Argentina. Uh, to what extent is the, is the horse racing industry dynamic and thriving enough to service that kind of population? Yes, uh, as you mentioned, we, we produce a lot, of, a lot of horses. We are the fourth or the fifth uh, country in the world. Uh, and this is very, very good for us. Of course, the, the pandemic was was terrible for all and of course the the population of horses in the world is is uh, decreased but the what we are trying to to get here in, in argentina and in south america in the last years is trying to improve the quality of the horses that we are breeding but that's the reason why as i told you we we go to buy mares, we shuttle stallions, try to get proven stallions, not only in Argentina, in, in Brazil and in Chile as well. They are, they are trying to shuttle good and proven stallions too. We've just had Royal Ascot this year. Just go back a few years and you'll find success at Royal Ascot for one of your stallions, Remote, who is a, a Dan Silly half-brother to Kingman. You don't get pedigrees much better than that. Uh, 2019 was his first season with runners in, in South America. How's he getting on? Remote is doing very, very well. He's one of the the best talent that we have right now in, in Argentina. He's flying the flag here. As you say, he's half-brother to Kingman. He has four crops here at the track, and he has produced uh, two group one winners so far, and and he's doing very, very well. He won the Tercent Tenaris Stakes at Ascot with the Shudman Silks, and he has a blue blood 
Absolutely. And, and how many mares typically would a stallion who's doing as well as him with that kind of pedigree, how many mares would you be able to cover with him in a year? You know, at the farm we have a 240 mares and we support uh, them, our stallions, with the most of our mares. So we try to, to cover uh, around 60, 70 own mares with the stallions like remote and of course we we sell some seasons to different breeders and he's very popular and of course he's a proven stallion right now so it's easier to to get the mares with a high quality pedigrees and you've also got a breeders cup winner uh hit it a bomb a, a horse i was very fond of with a very smart turn of foot he seems to have done well with horses on turf and on dirt like tis the bomb um, how do you find he's getting on with, with your mares in South America? What what type of horse is he doing best producing? Well, Hidi the Bomb is, is, as you say, a son of Warfront. He's one of the best young stallions here in, in Argentina. He won the Brazil Cup Juvenile Turf. And with the two small crops in in United States, he has produced many state horses, such as Tis the Bomb, who was a group two winner and he was second at the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf behind Mother Games. And in Argentina, he's, he's producing very well. He, he has produced a group one winner. And as you say, he produced very, very well on dirt and turf. So we are so happy with him too. And you've produced so many good horses in Argentina, even in my recent memory since I've been doing this job, you know, two of the, the very best in, in Candy Ride, the Pacific Classic winner of 2003, and, and of course Invasor, the uh, Breeders' Cup winner and, uh, and, uh, and Dubai World Cup winner. Absolutely, Nick, for sure, yes. We have bred in Argentina and South America many, many good horses, as you mentioned. Of course, Candy Ride right now is, is on fire, you know, especially because he's showing us a great broodmare sire, an extraordinary sire of sires. Well, Grand Runner is is the best the best example. Uh, as I told you, here in Argentina and in South America, we have a, a very, very good quality of, of lands. The farms here breed very, very well, but maybe we need to keep improving on, on genetic, you know? So I think that if we keep sharing a good stallion from, from Europe or, or America, for sure that we, we will keep breeding horses with this, with this quality, you know? Sometimes not all the horses have had the chance to show their conditions, uh, and some of them were wasted. Uh, I know that some trainers believe that our horses are not good enough but I'm sure that if we give them the chance and if we, I don't know, if we respect this, this, you know, this period of time that we have to give horses when they cross the hemisphere, uh, they have all the conditions to show the, the full potential that they have. And of course, all you have to do, Ezekiel, is remind everybody that just about every good thoroughbred in Europe is descended in some way, from an Argentinian bred horse in in Forley, who was the the Grand Dam of Saddlers Wells. So you know, there, <laughs> it's all there to to see on the page. Of course, well, we say Candy Ride because now is is as I say is is the most famous. But Forley, in my humble opinion, he was the best by far, absolutely. And uh, you'll remember more more recently. 
um, uh, you bred the the very good Philly '60s song, who who ran in the in the King George. Do you have aspirations to to bring South American uh, runners to to Europe or or to to run more horses of your own outside Argentina? Well, as you mentioned, '60 song was one of the best horses that we ever bred. Of course, for us, it's it's quite complicated to go to Europe. Because you know the the track conditions maybe are not the same as, as here. Uh, for us, maybe it's easier to go to to run to to Dubai or to United States. But the main thing, in my in my opinion, is we we get the best results if we respect you know our horses get their best results after a long period of adaptation. It's important when South American horses go to United States or to Europe to respect this period of time. If not, it will be pretty difficult to, to succeed. Ezekiel, thanks so much for talking to me. It's been lovely to, to chat to um, our second stud in, in Argentina and, and very much look forward to visiting one day. Thank you very much, Nick. Let me confess that I'm a fan of your podcast. Helps me a lot to keep informed and updated regarding our industry. So thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Thanks to Ezekiel, to all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me. And Jane, uh, before we get a tip for you for today, wants to ask you about how you think the Tattersalls Island Derby sale is going to go this week after the uh, rip-roaring success of the Land Rover sale a few weeks ago. Yeah, everybody's expecting more fireworks. The average price at the Land Rover sale was just exceptionally good. It was up around 50 grand uh, across the first two days. And I'd, I'd imagine people would be expecting something similar at the Tattersalls Derby sale because it's a smaller, more condensed catalogue. And, you know, you come to the Derby sale expecting quality. And I've already uh, heard whispers that there's some really, really nice horses here. The book always reads strong, but you have to see the physicals as well to back that up. So let's see if they do that. But... Uh, I'd be very surprised if it didn't stack up to fortnight ago uh, or even go even stronger. And are you buying, selling, watching, talking? Observing. Observing as always. All right. Just observing. Just there in a kind of consular role. Uh, that's, that's what I was doing at Ascot. And you know, what? it was so refreshing to have uh, the freedom to take it all in. Having never done Ascot in that capacity before, I can honestly say now I haven't been around the world, done the Breeders' Cup or Melbourne Cup, so I can't say it's the best in the world, but it's the best I've been at. And I, I haven't, I mean, for some reason, I must have missed it. Aren't you supposed to take a picture of yourself in five different outfits and post the five pictures all next to each other and ask everyone which their favourite one is? Yeah, I just wanted to, to reduce my screen time, get off social media and just enjoy the experience, so I did that. Okay. Uh, Jane, uh, do you have a tip for me for today? I do. I'm going to the west of Ireland to Sligo and the 820. Joseph O'Brien and Declan McDonough team up with Celador in the Phillies Maiden. And I hope she can break her maiden tag at the third attempt in the 820. All right, Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday, June the 21st. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.